friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. Uh, we are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Hi, Jen. Today, we are resuming the main story quest. To take us in, Jen, what happened last time? So last time we started off finishing out the little Alamigo bit where we encounter the rebellious youths, um, many of whom were slaughtered in a poorly thought out attempt to summon Ralgar and defeat the Empire to get Alamigo freed from their grasp. This didn't work out. The youths learned a valuable lesson and uh, off we went, only to return to a new set of dramatic events where we stumble upon a mystery of a bunch of uh, dead women and figure out that they're coming from a place called Hawk Manor. And one of the former men's man's servants who worked there asks us to uh, investigate and deal with his lady who has gone completely insane. And uh, that's what we do. So we have again returned to the Waking Sands and there is another new development. Break time is over and all the ranking scions are summoned to the solar. The Maelstrom has requested our assistance with the kobolds. Evidently, a tribe of kobolds has reawakened Titan. So we are going to go Titan slaying. Yishtola reminds us of a time in recent history where both Leviathan and Titan were summoned, and a group of mercenaries fended them off. This was the Company of Heroes. The Scions have minimal intelligence on Titan, and the company has since disbanded, so we're out of luck there. The Echo will not serve us this time, warns Yishtola. We need to rely on steel. We're given a chance to back out. That's the theme of today's episode is, do you want to quit? But we do not want to quit. We are here for it. Yes, and every time I'm, I I go back to the Waking Sands and there is a, a voice-acted cutscene with Benfilia. I'm realizing just how stilted and unnatural her speech patterns are. She she literally sounds like a, um, well, I wrote down Fembot Pewter, but Fembot Pewter, she emotes so much more uh, than Minfilia does. It's, it's like she over-articulates her words, and it's like Uncanny Valley type of speech. Oh, God. This um, is your two episodes running hate on for Minfilia now, Jen. And I don't, I don't hate her, but it's really, it's awkward. It's not human. Anyway. That's all. So also when Menphilia is talking about like this is the one little brief flash of some kind of emotion we get from Menphilia is when she's talking about the company of heroes. Her facial expression changes a little bit and it sounds like when she says the name she's saying it with disdain. Like she doesn't think very highly of these people. That was the impression that I got. Well that is a fair impression as we will learn in a bit. Yeah. Yeah things get spicy with Yestola like right away. So we head over to the Maelstrom headquarters in Limsa Lamensa and meet up with Officer Rashat Riki, who catches us up. The Maelstrom has sighted kobolds moving south from their territory, Ogamoro, into other portions of La Nosia to seize elemental crystals. And at this point, Admiral Merylvib joins us directly. She mentions the Company of Heroes again, but they have since disbanded, and it now falls to the Scions to deal with this threat. So in Merlvib's speech, she, um, you know, she expresses thanks for us participating. And she reiterates some of the violent history between Limsa and the local tribes. 
At this point, Yistolas jumps in uh, with a searing reprimand of Lumensa and how it was by their encroachment and actions that prompted the kobolds to react. They reacted to protect their homes. Right, like, how else do you expect them to? There was a non-aggression pact between the Limpsons and the kobolds, the bounty of the sea to the Limpsons, the bounty of the land to the kobolds, but the Limpsons wanted more. The commander obviously is horrified at the tone Yishtola has adopted towards Merlvib. I mean, good lord, this is the admiral. But Merlvib tells her to stand down, that Yishtola's right. But, you know, how much expression of regret do we need to perform here? Would you like us to fall on our swords? Or do you want to actually do something about it? So, fair point. Let's let's move forward. Since Titan has already been summoned, the kobolds clearly won't negotiate. They can't, as they would have been tempered already by Titan. The first order of business will be to gather intel, which means tracking down the company of heroes and learning what they know. So we hear that there is one former company member employed at the Gray Fleet Mills in Lower Dinosia. These are the mills that are right by the Red Rooster Stead. We once again have to pay for Lanosia's poor Aetherite network. We can either teleport to the dry docks way in the southern tip of the area, or we can hoof it from the Tempest Gate to Red Rooster. I think I took, um, I went to Summerford and then just went, s- no, 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 it was Costa del Solo and south. That works too. That was that was much faster. The The best way to get there automatically is that there is a Chocobo route that will take you from Limsa to Red Rooster, but getting to the Chocobo handler in Limsa is a pain in the ass as well. I don't even know where it is. I think he's on the gate that's just past the Bulwark Hall, but there's no A the right that goes over there. No good options. Fix your shit, Limsa. Some. No matter how we get there, we meet up with a row named Tractum in one of the outbuildings. And this guy has some seriously unique fashion tastes. He might be getting his tips from our Weaver Quests Wabaruka. Ah, something. It's a very odd mix of um, pieces. He's very scantily clad for Immeler, quote unquote. He has a a straw hat on um, and then a very strappy, buckly leopard printed uh bdsm sort of um, curl printed gin sorry um leotard and you know some hardcore like raptor skin work boots and the subligar uh, of course yeah i mean like so leotard that's they, there I are see. no pants to be seen here <laughs> i like the one nod to him being on the farm which is the hat yeah like, Otherwise, obviously i work on a farm did you see my hat yep um and like the rest of his outfit i think well the shoes make sense um, but the leotard and the, uh, the, you know, the harness and the subligar combo, that's confusing. And to me, it's his very um, ill-informed attempt, I think, at stolen valor by way of costume. You might be right that he doesn't know what the fuck. So he's just like, his, sure, armor. His harness is exactly the same one as um, uh, Viceket. Yep. It's in a different color. Of course, Viceket actually looks like a marauder. Um, but getting ahead of ourselves here. Anyway, yeah. So, so we, we talked to Tractum who grudgingly agrees to share his info with us. So he regales us with how he slew the primal Titus. He'd fought him for three days and nights. We give him a skeptical look, less flavor and more tactics, please. And this annoys Tractum. If we won't indulge him, we'll have to work for his intel, which means killing some rats. First, for those who don't know, Titus is the whiny protagonist. Maybe I've heard him called Titus too, whatever. 
Anyway, um, he's the whiny protagonist from Final Fantasy X. He's not a primal as far as we know, and definitely not Titan. I assumed that it was a name of another Final Fantasy property. We, as a level 30 plus character, have to go kill some rats. We kill a pile of them by the mills, and then out pops a rat king. Not the cool kind, just a big rat. Just a big one. Yes. Yeah, he's a... When we return, like, we kill those rats you wanted. Now now talk to us about tactics when 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 fighting, you know, uh, <clears throat> Titus. It's like, hey, thanks for that. You sure saved me a lot of... Uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, I... You know what? I don't think I can impart any battle tactics to you until you prove yourselves worthy. So maybe kill a Gubu and, uh, and come back. This is a dark foreshadowing of things to come. Same. Yeah. Proving ourselves worthy, blah, blah. Okay. And with that done, we're asked to go and kill a Gupu that's been eating flour. It's no big deal. Just a one and done. He, he continues to stall and refuse to elaborate on his experience. When the Chief Miller walks in and he's clearly perturbed to see Tractum chillin' and drinking when he has a Gubu to dispatch. Oh. Oh, yeah, it's it's totally dead. I cleaved its skull in two with me axe. And the chief is like, ah, uh, I don't think that's true. And Tractum is still like, excuse me, how are you able to question one of the greatest axemen to ever live? I was a member of the company of heroes, for God's sake. I took down Titus. And then finally, the chief, somebody, calls him out and he's like, who the fuck is Titus? It's Titan, you idiot. You know, how about I ask this, uh, you know, this adventurer here, if uh, she knows what's, what went on with the Gubu, and he's like, oh, I totally killed it. And so in, a, in, a, in some sort of weird test to see who's telling the truth, the chief drags us both outside for a, a test of might. This is just like any other kind of non-evidence-based test, right? It's like the, um, the divine justice, like where if you have a trial by combat, whoever wins is clearly the person who is in the right because God favored them. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's witch trial shit. Whoever can cleave this gubu-like rock, it's not very gubu-like. It's a, it's the straight best, up a boulder. Uh, is clearly the one clearly who the one was good yeah. enough to kill. Yeah, if you can kill a rock, you can kill a gubu. So we have this smash off here, and whoever smashes their boulder first is the the mightier person and gets the credit. We start off in the back foot as we are given a boulder like three times the size as Tractum's. Yeah. And then he starts cheating. He sends swipes our way as we try and smash this boulder. And also he drops a bomb on his boulder, which we have to run over and defuse. We have to beat it up. We have to beat it. We have to beat the timer of the bomb, essentially. We finally are able to prove our our rightfulness. This whole bit is comedy. This worked for me, Jen, frankly, like the lying asshole who's like, okay, let's let's do this test and I'll sabotage you during oh, he it. Just, he's just fighting dirty. I mean, so I guess, you know, in a in a vacuum, his tactics probably would have worked. But, um, you know, if you're looking for integrity, we're, we did it right. At least he's motivated now he to do was, something. Yeah, he was, I mean, he tried He tried to do it right in the beginning and his it was very, very slow going compared to, compared to us. So that's when he started getting dirty. For the OG gamers here, there's a Monkey Island reference with him saying, look behind you, a three-headed goopoo. Jen's not impressed. I, I didn't play that game. Way to destroy your gamer cred, Jen. No, I, I, I'm not putting on airs here. I, I took a break from video games in any capacity from like, 1999 until 2012. <laughs> this preceded 99, Jen, so... 
Yeah, well, I had a Sega one. Genesis and I was playing, and then a Sega Saturn, and then <laughs> I don't, I can't remember the order of it. And then 2012 rolls around, and somebody was like, "Hey, have you heard of this Flash game called Binding of Isaac?" And I was like, "No," and I started playing it. I became fucking obsessed, and I played it every day, and I put so many fucking hours into that game, and that started that. The rest is history. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so at this point, after we win the boulder battle, Trek Doom is caught out in his lie, and he is he doesn't want to get fired, and he's, so he admits everything. I'm a liar. It's stolen valor all the way. I just All I wanted to do was be the cool hero guy that this guy was in Costa del Sol before I lost that job, and I'm like, fine. The actual hero's name, the guy that he was trying to emulate, is Viceket, and... He is in Costa del Sol on a job. And we find the the non-comedy version of Tractum's outfit on Viceget. Yeah. This guy is a warrior. Eye patch, grizzled face, Actual proper harness, clothes. cohesive color scheme, <clears throat> pants, the Scars. works. Yeah. We approach Viceget and get the same thing over again. Yashola is here too. She joins us for this. Yashola actually was hanging out in the um in the farmhouse. When we were talking yeah. to Track Tomb, but she doesn't really say anything. She's just there. I mean, of all the people to call out, you'd think that she would have some words. But I think, honestly, he's beneath her. <laughs> you know, if she's going to call out somebody, it's going to be Admiral fucking Merlvib, not this guy. I guess. All right. That's that's fair. That's fair, Yashtola. I understand. We and Yashtola come up to Vicegat, and she gives us the intro as the Ifrit Slayer. Impressive, says Vicegat, but maybe not enough for Titan. Each of the company's victories was bought with blood, and Titan was the worst they faced, claiming many lives in the process. So now we get a bunch of tests from Viceget before he will give us his actual intel. We have to prove we're tough enough, and then some, or he won't let us throw our lives away. Yeah, I mean, and he clearly has the upper hand, and he doesn't he, he doesn't give shits, this guy. He's like, if you want to, you know, die in the most, like, meaningless way, um... I, you know, more power to you, but I'm not going to give you tips to hasten your demise until you prove to me that you can actually handle your shit. But if you want to, you can walk away and save your life. I mean, fair. I mean, he's he has seen some shit and he's trying to prevent more people from like running after this in, in some fool's errand. So he's like, you know, I, I gotta, you know, send you on these stupid bullshit tasks. And Ishola is just like, are you fucking kidding me? She's really pissed. And and rightfully so. It's, it's like, do you know who you're talking to? Kind of a thing. And she's like, we don't have time for this trivial crap. The the, the threat is at our door. Weiss gets like, right, walk away then. All right. She turns to us and she's like, well, clearly we, we got to do what we got to do. I'm going to leave this in your hands. I'm going to go deal with some other stuff. And when she's saying that, Weiske is like, oh, I see. Handing off the hard work to somebody else. <laughs> Yishola does not even acknowledge him. She ignores him completely, walks away without so much as a how do you do. Um, which is fantastic, but oof, that was spicy. So before we can be tested, we have a test for the tests, which is to slay an encroaching Nyx, which is a giant toad. We head down to the beach in Costa del Sol, and we drop some herring on it, and then it lures out the toad. We kill it and come back. Okay, so we, we passed the entry round of tests. Now he can trust us with the real challenge, which is to gather ingredients for this feast. We have to collect a substantial shopping list to prove we're good enough to face Titan. The first ingredient for this list will be revealed by Landonel, who is a red-haired Elizen down in the wetlands in South Shroud. 
also a former Company of Heroes member, and he's currently employed as a whaler. So we pop on down to South Shroud, say hello. He gives us the business. If you want to quit, do it. Otherwise, knuckle down and do my task yeah, for like me. Yeah, like you dying is not going to, I'm not going to care at all. Do what you're going to do. Blah, blah, blah. Like, like they're just they're just kind of enjoying their retirement. And he's also really quite worried about other people knowing that he used to be in the company of heroes. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to ruin my current rep as right. a former mercenary, a yeah. layabout drinker, gambler, browser, etc. Yeah. Like, you know, I need to, I need, I, this is my new life, my new reputation. So shut the fuck up. So the first ingredient that he has been charged with gatekeeping is a giant adamantoise egg. I, I have to say it is adamantoise, like adamantis. Like tortoise, you I know, say adamantis. Um, adamantis, I think, would be because it's tortoise. I I know. I, yeah, it sounds it, weird. It just sounds weird. Um, adamant. I say adamantoise to myself, but you can do what you want, Jen. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try it correct correctly. Uh, adamantis egg. Um, that sounds like a insect. It kind of does. Adamantis. Not a turtle. Adamantis toboggan. We go and find this little clutch of eggs. An egg. When we get close. The mama adamant toys pops out and we have to kill it, kill her, then bring the egg back. Good job. Yeah. I'm amazed at myself. Um, with my little Lollafellian body, was able to take this egg, which could easily incubate three Lollafellian children, um, haul it up the stairs in Camp Tranquil and give it to this guy. It goes in the same pocket that your spruce timbers came from. Indeed. Yeah. Here are three fat logs. With the job done, our contact refers us to the next veteran of the company. This is Uwad Nunn, who is currently located in the Forgotten Springs outpost in the sandy desert of southern Thanalan. We can tell by the surname Nunn that Uwad is the chief and breeding male of this Mikote tribe. We pop down to southern Thanalan, say what's up, and he tells us that he joined the Company of Heroes so he could toughen up and become good enough to challenge the then patriarch of this tribe for dominance. Right. Side note, if you do the side quests here, people are not very happy with his leadership. There are two different Mikote in this tribe who are conspiring to take him down. And also there are outsiders, which also are grassing about his conservative non-forward-thinking leadership. Mm. So not really a popular guy in this tribe. I mean, I can I can see that. He's kind of an asshole. Ugh. So he also tries to tell us to quit and go away. Oh, but in, if in, we... a bit of, in a big way. There's always like, with, with Landonel, it was different because it was like, you could, you could clearly tell that this guy had exposed himself to some serious danger and was not about to encourage some random jerk to to go follow in his footsteps but this guy is more like he's he's holding this you know from like a sense of machismo and i, and I guess as the brooding male of a uh, a tribe of of gorgeous cat women I, you know maybe you would also turn to be this way um but it's a little gross obviously we press on we're not going to quit now he will only help us though if we are proven as a skilled hunter his tribe doesn't do charity, so he will only help us with this ingredient if we can prove we are a good enough hunter first. So we have to do the pre-task before the task mm -hmm. again, which is to go and bring this old spear out to the desert and face down an Amalja veteran. So we head out to a little stand of dead trees in the desert. We drop the spear on the ground, and then out comes an Amalja. We kill him, rip, stone spike, tanad, ga. 
And then we bring his necklace back as proof of the deed. We learn that this guy was plaguing the settlement and the spear belonged to his brother. So we lured him out for vengeance and then we took our own vengeance or whatever. Yeah, the old bait and wait. The old bait and wait. Uh, so Wadnam, he tells us the next ingredient for Master Gigaruju's wild feast is a Wellwick worm. And Wellwick worms are so much rarer than the sandworms you see all over the landscape, uh, which means their meat is considered a delicacy. So what you're going to want to do is kill an angler, use its rotten carcass as bait, uh, and then, you know, again, bait and wait. We return with the Wellwick worm meat, and Wad asks uh, if we can return with a gift for Viceket. Because when they were in the Company of Heroes, he says, you know, Viceket was a, you know, a firm but kind mentor, and he turned me into the man I am today. Which, I'm like, ah, that's not the flex you think it is. Uh, but, like, I, I understand. I understand. Like, can imagine who he was before he was in the Company of Heroes. Good luck. Like, what a mess. <laughs> so he gives us a bottle of uh, brandy wine, and we take that back to Viceket. Now it's time for the final ingredient. Actually, the penultimate ingredient, but we don't know that yet. This was not going to be our job at first, but apparently there are some issues procuring this ingredient. So we have to go and meet up with the former company quartermaster, a goblin named Brayflox, for details. Mm-hmm. Something has happened at her home, uh, at, which is called Longstop. And she said the, um, the delivery will be delayed indefinitely. Like, there's nothing I can do. He took this message as, like, something very serious has gone down and she needs help. He can't abandon his post, obviously, because he's in the employ of Master Gigaruju, and he sends us to go help her out. To get here for the first time, we need to take the ferry from the Costa del Sol area over to Raincatcher Goli. So we head up north, we hop on the ferry, we take it across the river, and end up in the rainforest of Raincatcher Goli. Super good area. Very, very overgrown, very jungly. So beautiful. Yeah. Great music, too. Mm-hmm. We head up an overgrown path to find Brayflox. And I think this is our first MSQ goblin that we've met. Yes. Yeah. I, I think all of the other goblins we've met have, have been just, you know, fodder for requests, like, go kill some goblins. Yeah. Goblins stole our shit, blah, blah. In this game, goblins are little stooped guys that all wear gas masks with big bulbous mouth parts that hang below their face. I don't think we've ever seen an unmasked goblin ever. Nope. The only characteristic we can see are their big green droopy ears that poke out from the sides of their mask. Yeah, it's great. So I don't know if like the um, the the gas mask bag is covering their actual nose and that's essentially what their face looks like or if it's just there to exchange air and their face is totally different i believe it's like an herb bag like a witch doctor thing Ah, uh, okay i'm pretty sure um but i think we get some clarifying comment later on but i don't recall where so we'll get there when we get there goblins are largely ingenious and dangerous tinkerers mad inventor types 
They also have a very unique speech style, which is words mashed together to form approximate meanings, kind of like 1984. We have met a, a, a benevolent copy before, and that has that's Mutamix. Oh, right. The Melder guy. Yeah. That's okay. Yes. Thank you. All right. Sorry, I, Mutamix. We're forced to go there for the MSQ because Minfilia makes us meld her dagger for oh, her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So we have met one goblin so far. Yeah. So they, they mashed their speech together in 1984, double plus good style things. Mm-hmm. Like, Tasty fresh. Even the long stop is two words together um, because goblins are nomadic in general. This is the long stop. Yeah, that's cute. Um, so she says, well, you must be here for the Tasty Fresh Gobby Treats. However, the quest prize, which is a little fourth wall breaking in my opinion, is deep within Longstop where a big flighty beast has taken residence and has scared the Gobby flock away. Which means that our ingredient is in the Longstop and they got chased out by a dragon. Yep. I mean, I get it. Like, if you go up there, it's gorgeous. There's a big open beautiful cavern that's the perfect lair for a dragon of course he would move in we head into the long stop in pursuit of our quest prize the long stop is Brayflox's kind of pet project she's been trying to find a place for her fellows to settle her tribe of goblins they found however during their excavations and their build-up that there was a, a dragon deep deep within the long stop area And once they awoke this dragon, it went on a rampage, and here we are now. So in we head to this outdoor dungeon. Still beautiful. Yeah. Probably one of the most, I guess, uh, in terms of just aesthetic appeal, one of the most gorgeous dungeons in A Realm Reborn. Yep. The first area is just a super lush rainforest interspersed with little goblin huts. And as we enter, we get treated to a scene of this dense jungle area full of animals and the dragon, who's just tromping around and it takes flight as we enter. Mm-hmm. The first section, we have to cut through the jungle over a stream and through jungle beasts like the Colibri, the little pink toucans, and Galagos, Mm -hmm. the monkeys. Mm -hmm. Tough stuff. We have to unlock a rickety wooden gate with a key that we can get from a goblin that's up in a little remote hut in the side of the area, Yeah, which takes us to our first boss. This is a... It's the Great Yellow Pelican. Okay, yeah, it's, it's it's a... Big bird lizard. Yeah, it's it's a Z's model upscale with little baby Z's. Yep. So we fight her yep. and her babies. Nothing fancy. Tank and spank, kill ads, whatever. We move on now to the Goblin Village, which is a collection of egg-shaped huts interspersed throughout a canyon. And the village is overrun with scale kin, dragon hangers on. These aren't true dragons, but they kind of mingle. They're the groupies for dragons. Mm-hmm. So we fight through some drakes and dragonflies, and we can hand lend a couple of goblins here. And if we help them out, they will give us a chest. Yeah, I, I didn't do that, but that's okay. Rip those goblins. Yeah. They they're, died because I mean, Jim was too busy no, for them. No, no, no. There's, like, there's one up on a hill. She's fine, I think. If you get close- It's, 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 it's optional. Monsters spawn on them, and they will die if you don't save them. Rip. I'm the sure they understand. we do for cheese. A goblin would, yeah. Best, best cheese on, on, on earth. <laughs> 
on the planet. At the at the culmination of this area, we fight a... Is it a drake? Yeah, it's the Inferno Drake. Okay, and this is, this is a big drake, and eventually a small drake will, will appear. Which uses the biased model. A big purple spike-backed lizard with a mace-like tail. And midway through this fight, Brayflox runs in, being chased by a smaller biased. Is that- it Brayflox or is it our little Pathfinder friend we got the key from? It's Brayflox. Oh, okay. And we defeat both to proceed. After we defeat the Drake, we go through the back gate and down a rocky tunnel, which dumps us right into a big shallow lake area with a long land bridge running through it. And this area is full of amphibious and other jungle life, like the little um, Pisces flying fish, toucans, salamanders, and so on. And this place was the former party killer back in the old version of the Brave Flock's Long Stop Dungeon. Because this place used to be dominated by so many enemies and they pathed around and it was so easy to either pull more than you could handle or have them path into you and then join the fight and just wipe because it was so dense with enemies. But during the revamp, they toned down the population substantially to just a few packs here, which we can cut through with no problem and get on to the next boss. The next boss is a a big fat salamander looking guy. What's his name? Hellbender. Hellbender. Good lord. Um, are those nodules on his back? Are those eyeballs? Or are they are they just like? I was looking at that. I think they're eyes because I couldn't see actual eyes unless they're very teeny on its face. So it's got two rows of four big bulbous eyeball-like things poking out of its head. Otherwise, though, it looks like a big salamander. Yeah. So we we fight this guy. He throws out some um some dirty bubbles. Gross. Maybe that's the inspiration for. They they call it that because of Spongebob. The dirty bubble. They will bubble a party member and you have to pop the bubble. The people who are not trapped have to pop the bubble to free them. Otherwise, they will be tied up and die eventually. Yep. It's a bad time. And at the very end of the fight, Ayatar just totally crashes the party. That's the dragon. Yeah. Uh, and so we have to fight him a little bit until we, we hit like a threshold and he has enough and he flies off again and we chase him up the mountain. Yeah, Ayatar drops in and eats Hellbender and then we skirmish until it flees. Opportunist. We pursue it up the final stretch, which is a mountainous area filled with scrap. Smash huts, wheels, and goblin tech, presumably from the dragon's rampage. There's also a random curl up here. Like in a very side optional corner, there is a single curl just hanging out there's no chest there. No reason to go there, but just an curl for... Yeah, it's just like a red herring. So like when I first did this, like, practicing tank, I, I follow. I didn't even see the gate that's, like, right there. And I took a left and went down this other area and fought the curl, thinking, like, this is just, like, a little, like, mini-mini boss. And then the pathway would open up, and I'm like, wait, am I dumb? Yes, I'm dumb. And I had to backtrack. I fought, like, you know, three more mob packs than I needed to. Wow, what a waste, Jen. Ugh. Whether or not we detour to the curl corner, eventually we will head up the path into the dragon's lair and fight the end boss, Ayatar. Ayatar, a big dragon, fled to this cave because it was severely wounded by a fight with dragoons. It has been resting here, absorbing the poisonous vapors of the jungle ever since then, trying to recuperate from its wounds. Until its sleep was disturbed by goblins blasting their way into its lair cave. And here we are now. This is a fight that was reworked dramatically as well. And I think it's for the worse, honestly, in my opinion. Hmm. 
the the old fight had a very strong mechanical gimmick where the dragon would drop these giant puddles of poison on the ground, which would hurt the party and heal the dragon. And the tank had to be very careful with positioning because they would need to keep the dragon out of the poison, so kind of lure it around the room. And also they have to be careful that they do not bait the poison into too much area at once, because if so, the party will be trapped with nowhere else to go. So it was a difficult fight for a new character to figure out. Obviously, it's easy for a veteran player either way, but I have fond memories of that that first fight and learning it the first playthrough. Yeah. I'm assuming they changed it because of the AI party feature. And as we know from... There's no way the AI tank would be able to handle that shit. No. In Total Rock, that tank just stood in the shit. Yep. Didn't give a fuck. Yep. And if you're melee, have fun. Yeah, so the the fight now is more like the um, the pudding fight in Copper Bell Mines. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, there's a little bit of a twist on it, but it's pretty much just like it. Um, well, he's gonna drop these egg pod looking things, and they will eventually explode. I think they're just poison bubbles. Okay, so he drops some poison bubble things. Um, they look like body snatcher pods. <laughs> Um, or like Godzilla eggs, something. Anyway, they're huge and they will eventually explode and do like an AOE poison puddle underneath them. But a little bit later in the fight, he will, so he'll do that. They will drop. You'll know they're going to, you know, they're going to explode in a bit. And then he'll immediately drop another set. So you have to know like, okay, I got to hang out by the thing that just dropped so I can wait for the previous drop to dissipate. And then, you know, so you have to kind of move among the AOEs in a, in a timely fashion. Which that's that's the quote unquote twist I'm talking about on the copper bell mine thing. Yeah, um, is 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 navigating those two things. To be fair, the first time you see stacked AOEs like that as a new player, you have to think because you have to stand in the danger area for a time period. Yeah, and be comfortable doing that, and just know that you will move after the place that has appeared first will explode or do whatever it does and become safe. Yeah, and I, I like that they introduced this mechanic because you're going to see it a lot. Um, and it's, it's it's important to know that um, or kind of get over the fear of standing in a potential AoE spot when there's a, another AoE about to go off yep. and knowing how to move between them. Um, I think that's, yeah. So we defeat the dragon and restore peace to the long stop. And thanks, we get the goblin Gouda. Cheese secured. We return to Costa. So in the in the handoff animation here, you know, Brayflox proffers her arm with the with the Gouda, and instead of us doing the standard, we offer our arm in, in, in return. We recoil. We're just like ah ah. Um, she's like, oh yeah, it smells good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. When we pass it on, Vicegat infers that this cheese uses some very unorthodox milk, and he's not going to tell us what it is. No. God. So the, so the flavor text on the cheese itself. Here's an excerpt. The pungent odor of this hard yellow cheese, veined with blue-green mold, is most comparable to the warm, damp boot of a zombie after stepping in ripe chocobo dung. Mmm. That's... That is evocative. It's an acquired taste, Jen. Sure. Yeah. It's, you know, like you, it's, it's like durian, I guess. It tastes good, but it smells like... Or that, yeah. Damp zombie boot. <laughs> So we have all of the food for the feast. Now we need the wine. So we're off to Wineport on a very simple errand. Spoiler, it's not going to be simple. To go and pick up the wine. And that will be next time.
So, Jen, I've got mixed feelings about this segment. <sighs> I, um, I'm on Team Yustola with this one. We don't have time for this crap. We don't have time to be an errand boy for Master Gagaruju's feast of nobody cares. And, you know, I think our qualifications, you know, our CV at this point is enough to, to get us past this. Um, we, we defeated Ifrit. No, no, no. You got to go get, you got to, you got to get to go meet all my shitty friends. Um, Brave Flock's not included. She's lovely. But yeah, let's go, let's go meet his other shitty friends from the Company of Heroes and... I'll listen to them tell us how More we're not like worthy. Company and... of zeros. Oh, I mean, just like having to listen to them try to talk us out of this is maddening. And it only steals reserve further. So here's the thing, Jen. When I was doing my side lookups for this segment, I saw anecdotally that this segment has caused several people and people's friends to quit the game right here. If you're coming into this game blind, or even if you know there is good stuff, but have to slog through some of the, the bad stuff, and you come up against this lengthy and mechanically tedious It's bit, insulting. It's insulting. And also, though, every single character tells you to quit. If you're going to tell the player to quit, make sure that you have a reason not to quit at the same time, because right. you're not giving that. You're giving a reason to quit, because... This stuff is pretty like, dull. If by if by engaging on this career path, I have to hang out with people like you, like fuck it. Well, I have to have faith that there is a payoff because one, it's a it's a critically acclaimed game, critically acclaimed MMORPG that you can play for free up to level sixty. Anyway, I don't think I had this averse of a reaction when I first played it because I didn't have the benefit of playing the rest of the game and having something to compare it to as bullshit. But for me personally. When I hear people like, like, no, you need to like not do this. You're not good enough. Blah blah blah. It just it 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 enrages me. And now I'm going to be stubborn and and indignant, and I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, um, that's Jen. <laughs> so there's there's some there's there's some of that going on. Um, but I can see other other people who play lots of games and they have lots of perspective, encountering this after, you know, a not insignificant number of bullshit fetch quests. Um, hello, the sylphs. The, thinking like, is this really going to be the rest of the game for me? For me, Jen, I had done my research before hopping into this game, and I had seen multiple reassurances that there will be a long dry patch. I think there's a lot of good in A Realm Reborn. I, I don't think it's all a slog or even close to that, but there are definitely rough patches to it. But I had been assured by multiple sources that there was very good stuff at the end of the rough road that is A Realm Reborn. So I was resigned to press on and swallow my discomfort with the promise of the future payoff. This stuff and, and the sylphs and so on, you know, not the highlight for sure of this game, but also it too will pass. It's just a bit of a low point that I guess is a one-two punch with the gameplay and also with the characters all telling you to quit. Yeah. And has, it's not even just like, you know, fetch quest. It's it's a it's a quest to prove that you can do the fetch quest. It it's yeah. it's ridiculous. You know, this would almost be a candidate for the chopping block for when they've done their A Realm of Born condensation passes of cutting some quests out to make it less of a marathon to get through it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time though, the company is relevant in future content. So if you didn't meet them, that'd be weird to have them later on. Right. But also, is this the best way to meet them too? Nope. Maybe not. <laughs> no. It's not a flattering 
um, it's not a flattering reveal for some of these members. Um, Brayflox is an odd, like incongruous member of the Company of Heroes. Of course, you don't have any sort of insight about her fight style or, you know, what it is what it is that she brought to the Company of Heroes. Um, no, she's the quartermaster. She they tell you that. Oh, uh, well, then that's that's fucking perfect. Yeah. The, the other these other guys are just insufferable. Beyond not being an annoying personality, the Brayflox Longstop Dungeon, even though it kind of comes out of nowhere without any preamble, really, it's such a breath of fresh air, though, when you've been doing all of this very kind of rote stuff. To actually get a chance to not have to deal with these guys and just have fun doing a dungeon for a bit. So pacing-wise, super welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all that stuff said, though, I, I don't inherently dislike the the cliche of having to prove oneself by doing tasks to do the bigger thing. And there are even examples in fiction of, okay, so here's a bunch of dumbass chores to do, but actually the chores teach you the truth of the thing in the process like actually Planescape Torment does the exact same thing with Mebeth in the um in the wizard quest line where she has you doing these kind of inane errands but they all teach you about the magical arts oh right you you make the picture frame which is the spell book right 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 yeah yeah the difference though between that and this game is that the characters are riveting and the writing is enrapturing in that Versus here, you have people who are brusque and unengaging, coupled with gameplay that is go to a place and kill a thing. And none of these fights we do are hard. It's just the standard a mob Same pops old, up, yeah. you mash a few buttons, is dead. Just nothing to really redeem the process. So if you're going to do the whole do chores to learn how to get good secretly, make it good content. Well, I'm glad all the former members of the Company of Heroes have found gainful employment. <laughs> Well, on that note, next time we are continuing the MSQ. We are going to keep on towards our goal of defeating Titan. We've done some talking and have decided that if we have a like a two-part story segment, we're going to couple the MSQ episodes together versus break in the middle to do side content. So next time, main story quest, and then I think we're up for a leather worker in two episodes. Nice. See you then. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, uh, you can at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com or via Twitter at podreturn. And with that, we hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you next time.